there. Welcome to Shoot the Flick. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg. And we are a married couple who like to shoot the shit about movies. That we do. That we do. And this week we're back on Disney. That's right. We're watching another Disney movie. This time we are moving on up to the silver era throughout the 50s and 60s in Disney history. Ah, uh, isn't silver supposed to come before gold, not after? Shut up, Scott. Anyway. <laughs> Disney fucking was shit. This is basically the start of the post-war era of Disney animation. Basically just a step up in the animation department. A lot of more smooth movements, more detail, more color. Later on in this era, we're going to get into the start of the Xeroxing situation, which is a pretty infamous process that was uh, developed through Disney and saved a lot of money. But we're not there just yet. That's more towards the 60s. We're going to get there. But right now, Scotty, what movie are we watching today? Well, today we watched Peter Pan. Released in 1953. And uh, this was interesting. It was. This is a Disney movie that I really don't have a strong connection with nostalgic wise like I, I didn't really watch this very much at all growing up as a child which is kind of why I was interested in re-watching it because I'm sure I've seen it before but I don't remember a whole lot about it from a heartstring pulling perspective Scotty what's your uh, history with Peter Pan I remember watching it when I was younger and I remember watching it when my sisters were younger before we re-watched it and re-rated it through a current day lens. I remember it being good, but I don't remember anything spectacular about it. Right. I, I remember, of course, we can fly, we can fly, we can fly. I remember that. I remember, of course, Hook. It was interesting rewatching it. Both for good and bad reasons. I feel like this is a kind of typical early Disney animated film in that there are definite good things about it but also some very noticeable bad things uh for example this is i think the first out of the disney movies that we've rewatched through this series that we've gotten the infamous preliminary disney plus message like hey this movie negatively shows some cultures that it, it was wrong to do that then and it's wrong now but we're going to show it anyway because we want to show our audience that like this is how we used to think of this particular culture i.e native americans but it's bad 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 1950s disney there's a whole song in this movie yeah. called what makes the red man red and yeah so if you didn't know that before you know it now and we're going to talk about it it's it's a thing that exists it's very racist it's very bad. Yeah, like, <laughs> in the previous ones that we talked about, we talked about Snow White, we talked about Pinocchio, right? And in Snow White, we talked about there being, like, a very brief moment where they kind of make a joke, potentially... Towards Asians. Visually, yeah, making fun of Asian people. And in Pinocchio, they have a pretty obvious uh, Italian stereotype with the villain Stromboli. But... I don't know. You could make an argument in those cases on a scale of egregious to kind of subtle. 
those would be, I guess, more on the subtly type end of the spectrum. Yes. This, however, is not subtle at all in the fact that it it's just completely disrespectful in every which way to the Native American community. It's funny because we're in a time now where a lot of, especially Native Americans, are starting the representations we have in popular culture are being changed. Sports, we have both the Washington uh, now commanders used to be Redskins. The Cleveland Indians have finally gotten rid of uh, Chief Wahoo, which was their old mascot, which was just... Oh, jeez, that sounds really bad, just the sound of that. I didn't know that was a thing, okay. Yeah, well, if you look back at the movie Major League... When right. the, the red-faced Indian, that was their mascot. Right. okay, yeah. Oy. And now it's just a C. <laughs> right, I get you, yeah. So, I mean, thankfully, A, the Native American aspect of this movie is a relatively short aspect. I mean, this whole movie is like 77 minutes long. So it's kind of just a small part of the movie and then it's over. And then also, thankfully, Peter Pan, I don't think, really measures up in the pantheon of classic Disney films that some of the other ones do. It's okay. It is. I forgot how much of a dick Peter is. I was going to say, I think it's mainly because there's really not any likable characters. (laughs) Even Wendy's kind of whiny. So you, you don't really root for anybody. You don't really particularly like anybody i watched a couple of clips of hook on like youtube because i'm like i looked at the runtime of hook and i'm like oh it's two and a half hours i I don't have the time to sit down and watch hook again right now but like i watched a couple of the clips and robin williams does such a good job like making peter seem so likable yes that i was just like oh they're almost different characters that's absolutely true. It's funny because Peter Pan, the movie here that we're going to talk about, is based on a play by J.M. Barry from the 1900s. And Peter Pan has plenty of other adaptations, one of which, of course, is Hook. But in the original play, Peter Pan is essentially a sociopath. He's heartless and selfish and all of those type things to the point where Walt Disney was not particularly happy with the way this film came out because he thought that Peter Pan in this movie was unlikable, which he is unlikable. <laughs> the literary experts or what have you, they have come out and said like, no, this is very accurate to the story. This is Peter Pan. Like, thank you and good night. <laughs> you, you did your job. But yeah, there are other adaptations that sort of humanize the character of Peter Pan, make him, instead of like a selfish asshole kid that doesn't want to grow up, makes him more of a sympathetic character, perhaps, or a playful and, and a youthful, like, ah, what what a, a lovely young boy with what a stars in his eyes. Yeah, what a lovable scamp. And it's, yeah, uh, it, there are different interpretations, I like, guess, of that. <laughs> again, like, a, again, we've seen Hook. More recently, there was Pan. We don't talk about Pan. Just like we don't talk about Bruno, we don't talk about Pan. <laughs> Though, I will go real quick into that. What made them think it was a good idea to take popular music and be like, we're going to bring it and make Peter Pan a musical with like Smells Like Teen Spirit. Mm, and Blitzkrieg Bop, I think <laughs> it was in there. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Also, Hugh Jackman is Blackbeard, I think, in that. Yes. Not even Hook. I don't know. It's confusing. 
I think honestly, out of the Peter Pan franchise, if you can even call it that, Tinkerbell has gotten much more screen time than Peter Pan himself. I mean, Tinkerbell had a whole spin-off set of movies and I think a TV show on point. Yeah, I I do remember the Tinkerbell movie cuz again, Cassandra my sister. But even in this movie, Tinkerbell's kind of an asshole too. Everybody's an asshole pretty much. Yeah, kind of. Which maybe that explains why I didn't really connect with this movie as a kid. I was like, who am I rooting for exactly? Although I don't understand, too. It's like, you know, Tinkerbell, for Disney adults, Tinkerbell seems to be like the uh, mascot for, like, sassy bitches. And it's like, okay, like, sassy is okay, I guess. But bitches is actually, like, a real part of that. So maybe that's not what you want to aspire to. However, I don't know how she's portrayed in the movies, in the spinoff movies. Perhaps she is more likable, but... I think she, who I, could say I think it's just over time it's just like oh she's sassy and we like sassy because Peter's such a dick mm. she does try to kill Wendy she does but similarly also to some other classic Disney movies this movie does have a I was gonna say direct to DVD but it's it's not it's it actually was released in theaters the sequel to this movie Return to Neverland was released in 2002. It's essentially uh, about Wendy's daughter and her interactions with Peter Pan. I tried to watch it, but I gave up. <laughs> Literally, like, the movie is set in World War II, and a whole sequence in the movie takes place in a bomb shelter. I do remember that. Like, literally, Wendy picks up her, her kid and is like, all right, son, off to the bomb shelter. And I'm like, okay, I'm turning this off. <laughs> I'm, I'm tapping out. No, I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want it. <laughs> no. At the end of this movie, they all, like, see, like, the pirate ship that Peter's flying. And the father, like, I remember that ship. It's not even a real ship. It's a cloud, isn't it's it? A, it's a cloud. But he says, I remember that ship. That was his line. Uh-huh. So in my head, Peter comes around every 20 or so years and tortures this family by <laughs> kidnapping some of them and bringing them to Neverland. Well, it's funny because... For Christmas this year, I, I, as you guys know, if you've listened to the show, I, I like to read books and such. And I, I got this book called, uh, what is it called? The Lost Girls. And I haven't read it yet. I was waiting for us to rewatch Peter Pan to start reading it um, because it's like based on P the Peter Pan lore. But literally, like what you just described is essentially the plot of the book. Oh, like good. the first line of the back of the book imagine a world in which the sole purpose of the women in the darling family has been to entertain peter pan and his lost tribe <laughs> so essentially every generation or so peter pan like comes to this family and kidnaps the women but anyway the point is <laughs> there is a certain darkness to the story of peter pan when you think about it even in hook usually disney villains they're threatening but they're not like they're, they're played foppishly. Yes. Some would say they purposely give them stereotypically gay characteristics. Yeah. Like Captain Hook. Like Scar from The Lion King. But they usually also don't do anything. Like They don't usually get anything done. There's only a handful that actually, I think, kill somebody. True. Hook fucking kills people. Hook does shoot a guy in this movie. Um, I didn't remember that. That was kind of shocking. <laughs> 
I mean, they don't show it on screen, obviously, like the guy getting shot and blood everywhere or anything. But like it's, you know, there's a shot and then a splash and it's like, oh, that guy's dead. There are a couple who like shoot at people or like what you, Scar killed fucking Mufasa. Yeah, again, again, very few. Like Scar killed Mufasa. Maleficent is like dark and scary, but no, she. I don't think she actually kills anybody. No, she just got mad because she got uninvited to a birthday party. Oh God! But yeah, it's just one of those things. Like, no, he straight up just shot a dude. Yep. Similarly, I feel like to like Snow White, some of the behind the scenes stuff and the implications and the the you know the the deal with like the actual source material is sometimes more interesting than the actual movie itself but peter pan was directed by a trio we got wilford jackson and hamilton lusky who both worked on snow white and pinocchio and then on top of those two gentlemen we got a guy named clyde jeronimi i hope i'm saying that right and he uh went on to direct several Marvel cartoons in the 60s, but all three of these guys were behind several Disney movies, including Alice in Wonderland, Cinderella, Lady and the Tramp, all that good stuff. And uh, of course, this 77 minute movie was written by eight, count them, eight male writers. It seems like such a simple story. I don't know. I don't, did we really need eight writers? I don't know. Well, all the writers had to uh, determine what female character would want to flirt with Peter Pan next. Oh my god, this movie hates women. That's really, that's what makes it even worse that there's just all, this is a sausage fest here over on Peter Pan because women are just constantly disrespected in this movie to such a degree. The mermaids want to fuck Peter. Tinkerbell wants to fuck Peter. Wendy wants to fuck Peter. It's really annoying. They're all children also. But also similarly to every other freaking classic Disney movie ever now, uh, there is going to be a live action Disney Plus film in 2023, apparently with Jude Law playing Captain Hook. So that's that's going to be interesting. Okay. <laughs> when we watched this movie and we watched Captain Hook, within the first two minutes, we're like, Sasha Baron Cohen would be an excellent Captain Hook. Why has that not happened yet? <laughs> yes. Like, it's just, it just seems so obvious. Wow, 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 he's very nice. So, yeah, Scotty, you ready to get into the nitty-gritty of this thing? Yes, let us dive into Peter Pan. We start off in Bloomsbury, England. Oh, dear. In London town. Indubitably. With the Darling family. Darling. Darling. The Darling family is made up of three children, John, Michael, and Wendy, and their parents, who are an abusive kind of father. Uh, yeah, kind of a, a loud, blaring, almost kind of verbally abusive father and a neglectful mother. So we're really on the right track here. Um, Wendy is kind of our main character outside of Peter Pan. And she is voiced by Catherine Beaumont, who also was the physical model and the voice of Alice from Alice in Wonderland. And you can kind of tell... If you look at her and really hear her voice, it's very similar to Alice. John and Michael are both played by uh, young child actors. Michael, particularly the the youngest child, was uh, six years old at the time of the film's release. And he's one of the director's children. So, you know, he's... He's affordable. Yeah, exactly. We didn't have to pay him because, you know, he's a loner from the director. Exactly. And these children 
are very rowdy. Oh yes, yeah. so so bad, such so, bad children. Such bad children, tearing up bed sheets, forcing their dog to clean up after them. Oh my God, the dog! Can we talk about the Saint Bernard? Okay, so they they named the Saint Bernard Nana, and they dress the Saint Bernard like a maid. And they keep calling her the nursemaid, like she's an actual person that is supposed to be watching these children and, like, tending to them. She, at one point, pours them <clears throat> tonic, we're going to talk about that in a second, to take at night. And it's like, okay, d- d- you can't honestly rely on this dog to care for your children, do you? Do Cl- you? Clearly they do. Because they're getting ready to go to a party, these parents. And these kids are getting ready for bed. And the dog is pouring them spoonfuls of quote-unquote tonic. And after they do take this tonic, they very quickly get sleepy and go to bed. And then the parents go out to this party. So one can only assume that they are drugging their children or dosing them, whatever, to go sleepy by while the parents go out and get lit. Which is, you know, grounds for Child Protective Services to get involved. But hey, this is jolly old London in the 50s. So, I mean, it's fine. It's fine. It's okay. They also throw the dog outside. Yeah. Like, this this dog is caring for their children. And the dad's an asshole, right? And he bumps into the dog. And the dog falls into, like, this tower of blocks. And then, like, falls and hits into the wall. And the dad falls over, too. And the dad's like, oh. And then all the kids and the mom are like, oh, Nana, oh, sweetie, are you okay? <laughs> like, yeah, damn right. You better give a shit about the dog. Because <laughs> this dog is working her ass off to care for your fucking kids. It's a weird start to our movie because immediately the parents leave. Everyone kind of falls asleep. And Peter is skulking about on the roof. Yes, Peter Pan. Okay, so let's talk about Peter Pan for a second in this Peter Pan movie. So our titular character comes into these children's room and interacts with them. But before that, the narrator explains that um, Peter Pan chose this family because uh, people in the house believe in him. The mom believes in him as like the spirit of youthful children, but... The children actually believe that he is a real person. And Wendy is like a super stan of Peter Pan. Oh, yeah. She is riding hard for Peter Pan. So she explains later that like, oh, Nana, the dog, found Peter Pan's shadow. So I've been holding on to it for him until he comes back to get it. But like it's implied earlier that like Peter chose his family. So like was this all a setup? So he could come in and like hang out with Wendy. Was this was this all planned beforehand? Because well, Nana is very over this bullshit. She does not care, and the dad also does not believe in Peter Pan. He continuously calls Peter Pan poppycock, which is one of the most British words that ever Britished. Yes, we we've been in Britain quite a lot recently. Yes, um, like it makes me think that this is like a setup because Peter. Has that wicked fucking smile. Oh, yeah. Like, real shit-eating grin. It's it, There is a sinister undertone to everything. Like, it almost feels like... <laughs> weirdly enough, we just did Midsummer for not Valentine's Day. Yes. <laughs> it almost feels 
kind of like a kiddish version of Midsummer. Like Neverland is the Swedish fucking uh, commune. <laughs> and like, oh, come here, Wendy. Let me show you the mermaids. Come on, boys. Let's go hunting for engines. We'll get there. But like, oh, what a wonderful time we're all having on this magical land of magic. And then like at the end, they're all just going to burn in a big teepee. And Wendy's stuffed in a bear carcass. Like, I, you know, I'm almost waiting for that to happen. <laughs> But Peter Pan does show up and when he returns his shadow to him. He proceeds to go, women talk too much and get on with it. Yeah. Fuck, fuck Peter Pan. He, Wendy's continuously treated like shit in this movie along with every other female character. Uh, which there are only three. The mom, Wendy, and Tiger Lily who we'll also get to. Oh, and Tink. Oh, Tinkerbell, duh, yeah, but she's a cunt. We don't really care about her. <laughs> she's just a bitch. But uh, I did want to mention our voice actor for Peter Pan, Bobby Driscoll, who is also the physical model. If you'll remember, if you listened to our Snow White episode, I briefly mentioned how the main actress who played Snow White was kind of shit on by the Disney company and Walt Disney himself, basically. And I briefly alluded to the Peter Pan child actor situation being even worse uh so let's let's just get into that right now uh bobby driscoll who was the voice of peter pan was discovered at the age of five and started acting doing several disney films including treasure island and um song of the south he was the kid from song of the south ouch and um obviously he did this movie and then at 16 he was prematurely let go of his Disney contract because he got older and his voice dropped and he got acne and he wasn't so cute anymore. And um, then he proceeded to struggle with his acting career, get involved in drugs. He went bankrupt, went to prison, and then he died of heart failure at the age of 31. And his body was unclaimed, so he ended up getting buried in a potter's grave in New York alone. And that's the story of Bobby Driscoll. And it's really fucking sad. It's essentially the story of, you know, if you've watched Chippendale's Rescue Rangers, uh, the new Disney movie that came out on Disney Plus this past year, uh, and Peter Pan, ironically, is the villain in that movie. It's essentially that Peter Pan villain's backstory. <laughs> like, he grew up, got out of favor with, uh, you know the casting people and then just completely his life totally fell apart jesus it, it does remind me of also the kid from bronx tale oh yeah <sighs> it's really it's not easy being a kid actor no it isn't it's really fucking not <laughs> and you have to think about it because he was working from the age of five so his entire life yeah was on set was on set being the center of attention and I'm sure being told how freaking cute he is and all this stuff and then what is he supposed to do after that especially it's ironic that again that he's playing Peter Pan like because this is a boy that didn't want to grow up Peter comes into Wendy's and the other kids room and he's like hey uh Wendy uh, I really like coming by to your house and hearing you tell stories about Peter Pan. Ha ha ha. Like, it's really, you make me sound really cool and shit. And Wendy's like, well, I can't really do that anymore because after tonight I'm going to be moving out of the nursery, which is their bedroom, which this bedroom is fucking huge. It holds her bed, 
the two boys' beds, and then a doghouse for Nana in this one bedroom. <laughs> and Still plenty pu- of space. Right. To punish her, quote-unquote, her dad is like, you're moving out of this room and getting a room of your own. And, like, okay. Like, as of, like, a, let's say she's 13, 12. Yeah, okay, bro. Let's do it. <laughs> Let me, I want my own room. But, <laughs> but no, apparently not. But, Daddy, I don't want to grow up. I don't want to have sex with all the boys. Oh, God. Unless it's Peter Pan. <laughs> Unless... But yeah, we also meet Tinkerbell, who is a little fairy pixie girl, and uh, she's very, very jealous. The second that uh, Peter and Wendy start interacting, she gets a little pissy, (laughs) and she's a pretty toxic human being. Oh, yeah. Or pixie being. (laughs) Yeah, and automatically, that's all she is. She is the jealous woman. But, of course, the kids do uh, need her to learn to fly, because, you know, all the kids now are going with Peter and Tinkerbell back to Neverland. Yes, because that way Wendy doesn't have to grow up and she can just be a mom to the lost boys and tell them stories all the time and everything will be wonderful. So Wendy, John, and Michael all have to learn how to fly from Peter Pan. Which leads us to the most recognizable song from this movie. Yeah, and probably the best one, I would say. Uh, You Can Fly. Which, uh, most of these songs were written and composed by Sammy Kahn and Sammy Fain, who have both won multiple Oscars for music in movies. But this song, You Can Fly, as well as Second Star to the Right, which was kind of the opening credits song, they're both sung by the Judd Conlon Chorus and the Mellow Men, which were a quartet from like the late 40s into the 70s I think and they were founded by Thurl Ravenscroft ah. who is the voice of the Grinch they did backup for some of the biggest stars in the world at that time they did backup for Bing Crosby and Elvis Doris Day all that stuff so they also did other Disney movies but they like I love the chorus in uh, in these two songs Second Star of the Right and You Can Fly they do a really good job and kind of give it that magical lofty feeling of like going to adventure in an unknown magical place like yes. that's nice think of christmas think of snow think of sleigh bells off you go like reindeer in the sky you can fly you can fly you can fly while they leave nana behind i was so sad michael took he literally grabbed tinkerbell and like shook her like get pixie dust all over nana so she could fly and she was still tied up so she got only so high and then like waved goodbye i was like oh nana well in the same breath peter does go oh you have to think of a happy thought i'm like would nana really be thinking of a happy thought at this moment as her wards well she's a dog so that's true but her wards are flying away like the moment we leave i don't think leia thinks of happy thoughts i guess oh you know what's funny too in the shitty 2000 sequel return to neverland ah yes they also have the same bernard whose name is nana two ah like it's not it's in the subtitles it's one word nana two Ah. And I was like, really? Really? Don't think of anything else. Nope. Okay. Nope. Not. Nope. All right. That's, yeah, sure. Sure. <laughs> That's really creative. But at least she wasn't dressed like a, a maid. maid. No, she was dressed like a soldier. She uh, had a soldier's uh, helmet on. Yes, I on do remember that. Because World War Two. Back to the bomb shelter. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like, they played it so straight. I just couldn't believe it. Anyway. Now we fly off to Neverland, Ooh. where we immediately get introduced to the pirates. Ah, uh, yes. 
we have some jolly old pirates singing a jolly old pirate song. A sea shanty, perhaps, if you will. Yo-ho, yo-ho. A pirate's life for me. <laughs> okay, so we meet Captain Hook, and he's the same voice actor as the dad. I don't know if you caught that. Oh, yeah, I did, because it does lead me to think about, like, is this all just a dream? Yes, this, this movie is very ambiguous in the is it really happening or is it all in Wendy's head thing. Is it the tonic? It could very well be the tonic. Who knows what the fuck's in that? It's, this is the 50s, so it could very well be, like, fucking... Actually, no, it can't be the 50s, because in World War II is the sequel, then this has to be, like, even before that. So it's gonna be, like, the 20s. Who fucking knows? Anyway, it's... It, who LSD. knows what the fuck's in that stuff? It could be LSD. We don't know. But, yeah, the voice actor for Captain Hook and Mr. Darling is Hans Conried. But, fun fact... Disney was actually in talks for a very famous actor to voice this role. Uh, Cary Grant was in talks for it, which ah. is funny because he has a very distinct voice. Yes, he does. So I feel like that would have been funny because it, it would have been, I feel like, even more obvious that Hook and the dad were voiced by the same person. Hook is one of those roles. I feel like if you get the Hook role, it's a big role. Oh, yeah. Well, it's very fun. It's... It's very... Uh, Flamboyant. Yeah, very... again, like I mentioned before, a lot of Disney villains have that sort of foppish, almost feminine quality to them for some reason. I don't know. I guess it's to make the villain seem more foolish or weak. Yeah, but I just but feel like... It's, it's weird that that's a trend throughout several Disney movies. I don't know. I just feel like this one, and then when you look at, like, Hook with Dustin Hoffman like he gets to play up villainy so well and so much fun like in the beginning of the movie he locks the guy in the treasure chest and throws scorpions on them oh yeah that is a thing that happens you're right hmm. and we also meet Mr. Smee who's Hook's sort of right hand man he's also very much comic relief in this movie he's voiced by Bill Thompson who has voiced several other Disney characters, including the White Rabbit in Alice in Wonderland. Yes, he was the White Rabbit. I just that's that's the closest voice comparison yeah. between uh, those two characters. He also voiced Jock in Lady and the Tramp, which is the Scottish dog. Okay, I never would have known that one. I think one of the kings in Sleeping Beauty, and he also voiced Uncle Waldo in Aristocats, which is the drunk goose. Ah, the goose. Yes. Look at this prime country goose stuffed with chestnuts. And basted in white wine. <laughs> basted? He's been marinated in it. But yeah, he's he's pretty funny and silly in this, which is nice. It's it's a nice little uh, palate cleanser to some of the violent bullshit in this movie. <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. And Smee's an idiot, but it's he's a fun idiot. We but also get the introduction of like one of my favorite gifts ever in life, which is the crocodiles <laughs> yes it is true fun fact about me um literally in any conversation with anyone ever if you send me the gif of the peter pan crocodile that is just fl like slapping around in the water happily um i will automatically smile and laugh and be cheered up in any situation it's like my favorite gif that and the Kermit the Frog gif when he's just like shaking his arms uncontrollably. <laughs> yes. That's my favorite as well. But yeah, we introduced the crocodile who ticks. Like, yes. It, he sounds like a clock and Hook is terrified of him. And the reason that he 
kicks is because he swallowed a clock at some point, and yes. he hates Captain Hook. Well, he hates Captain Hook because Peter, at some point in the past, cut off Hook's hand and fed it to the crocodile, who got a liking for Captain Hook. Which also, that thing too, you would think that if you're painting Peter Pan as the hero of your tale, right? He's the titular character. He's your main guy. You want the people to like him. You wouldn't have him bragging and like laughing about the fact that he cut off a human being's hand and fe- like he brags about it like oh i cut off his hand and fed it to a crocodile <laughs> oh how funny like i thought maybe they would have revealed at some point that like it was an accident like they were fighting and playing like you know messing around and he but accidentally yeah. cut his hand off whoops a daisy but no <laughs> he meant to do that shit yeah peter is not a good person he's a sociopath for sure <laughs> which leads to hook wanting to kill him though i did find it funny here the crew of the pirate ship, it's only hinted at here, but they seem to be on the end of what they want with Captain Hook. Because Hook has now become obsessed with Peter Pan. And they're like, hey, we don't give a shit about Peter Pan. We want to go back to being fucking pirates and killing people and stealing money. Like, they're ready to mutiny and like throw him on an island like Jack Sparrow. Ah, uh, yes. So our... Our main characters here have entered Neverland and they are chilling on a cloud, as you do, surveying the area. And then they are immediately attacked by Captain Hook in a big-ass cannonball. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Peter tells Wendy and the boys to follow Tinkerbell and run. Um, Tinkerbell, of course, outflies them because she's an expert flyer. Please, Tinkerbell, we can't keep up with you. Yeah, no, we know, bitch. That's kind of the whole point of this. Like, we don't want you around. (laughs) And Tinkerbell goes and gets the Lost Boys and tells them to shoot Wendy out of the sky. That's, it's so violent, this movie. (laughs) I mean, not for nothing in Pinocchio, fucking Geppetto came out with a musket within the first 20 minutes. So I shouldn't be too surprised. Fucking Snow White, a guy tried to cut out Snow White's heart in the beginning of that movie. So, I mean, we shouldn't be too surprised by the level of violence in this children's movie. Yes, but... But it is what it is. <laughs> the the Lost Boys, who don't have a Rufio. No, no Rufio here. However, they all are just essentially the same personality-wise as the kids from Pleasure Island in Pinocchio. They're just, like, little assholes that like to fight... And jump all over each other. <laughs> but yeah, they go and they throw things at Wendy. And they do knock her out of the sky. And then Peter catches her and is like, you little shits. And they're like, but, but, but Tinkerbell told us. Ah, you'll be banished forever. Oh, Peter, don't do that. Not forever. Fine, you're banished for a week. <laughs> so Tinkerbell gets banished from the Lost Boys. Now we get to essentially explore this land of never. Wendy wants to go and meet the mermaids, so Peter's like, all right, I'll go introduce you to the mermaids. And then all the little boys, along with John and Michael, are like, uh, we're going to go <clears throat> catch some engines. Oh, uh, fuck. <laughs> no. The, the no. Ab- <laughs> or as uh, John likes to put it, the aborigines. Oh, no. The savages, as they put it. The lost boys. Oh, God. Um, so, yeah. They have a whole song called Following the Leader where John is like leading the charge and hunting these engines. And um, then they get captured by the Native Americans in this movie. We meet the chief. 
who is voiced by an Italian man. <laughs> of course he is. Okay, so I guess now's the time to discuss the the most blaring Racist. and glaring and obvious disrespect in this movie. Probably the most racist thing since the crows. Oh, God, we don't talk about the Dumbo crows. Oh, no, no. But yeah, this is definitely up there as one of the, if not the most, obviously racist thing in a, a Disney movie. I mean, we meet the chief and it's he is literally red. His skin is literally red. He is in a big headdress. He's got crazy eyes and, oh, God, a big red nose, like a clown looking nose it's oh, yeah. really just well, so glaring well, like, there's no there's no mistaking what they were trying to do here all the native americans in this film range from pink to dark red except for tiger lily yes we'll, we'll talk about in a second but yeah it's it's really unsettling and later on when they do the song what makes the red man red um yeah yeah it's i mean there's just the constant drumming like throughout everything they're saying and they don't speak in complete sentences and then when they get to the song the little white kids and the lost boys they all have some nice cultural appropriation going on with the war paint on and the feather headdresses and it's just it's unsettling to watch but partly why it's so unsettling is that like it's portrayed as such a lighthearted, like, fun thing. Like, it's essentially painted as the BR guest of this movie, where it's just, like, a fun song where we're all dancing and singing together, la di da da And it's, it's not that. And it's just very... Racist. Racist and uncomfortable to watch. At some point, the chief goes, Tiger Lily is missing, and... We're not going to let you go until Tiger Lily is returned. And if she's not returned, you're going to die. Yes. Now, Tiger Lily has been, we find out later, because Peter Pan, along with Wendy, when they go to the mermaids, which we'll talk about that scene in a second. But when they go to see the mermaids, they find out that Hook has actually kidnapped Tiger Lily uh, I, I'm guessing to uh, to frame Peter Pan for it, to get the Native Americans to kill Peter Pan. It's all very confusing and who well, cares. Well, okay. His, but <laughs> uh, I think that's part of it. Also, the other part of it is if he can scare Tiger Lily into giving up Peter Pan's hideout. Oh, right. There's that too. Well, that brings me to my issue with Tiger Lily, which, as Scott said, Tiger Lily's skin tone is not red or really any shade of red which i guess is good question mark i mean really i don't even know i don't feel comfortable even calling it good but <laughs> it's not racist it's not overtly racist i guess in that part of it what's weirdly and grossly disrespectful and it's it's compounded by the fact that again as i mentioned earlier this movie has a weird relationship with women. Yeah. Tiger Lily does not speak. No, she no, no. has no voice at all. And arguably she is one of the strongest badasses characters in the movie because even when being tortured by Hook and almost drowned, she had never at one point even considers or thinks about giving up Peter Pan's location to Captain Hook. So she is arguably one of the badasses bitches here. And yet she is a woman, so she has no voice. 
Yeah, except for like the occasional. Hmm. Yeah, it's very strange. And again, the relationship this movie has with women is also very strange because they simultaneously put Wendy up on a pedestal as being the mother figure and oh she's so sweet and oh she's telling stories and singing songs and lullabies to the boys and oh how sweet but then on the same practically in the same breath they're like ah you are a woman go get firewood (laughs) you know all the women in this movie are relegated to hitting on peter either either hitting on peter or being mother and the one female character who is at least partially deferring from that in being a badass bitch, being Tiger Lily, she has no voice. And then later on in the movie when she's rescued and back with the Native American tribe, she's she back to flirting with Peter. Immediately is flirting with Peter, kissing him, dancing with him. So it's like okay, what so it's essentially it's it's just weird. They it, this is not a feminist film. No. Mind you, neither is Snow White, neither is Pinocchio, neither is probably any of the other films up to, like, what, Mulan? Like, <laughs> you know, where where do we get a real feminist icon in the Disney? Mulan. But we cut now to the mermaids. Yeah, let's talk about the fucking mermaids, Jesus Christ. It, they do, this scene has the best line in the movie. Women are jealous bitches also. That's what this movie also says about women. Yes, they are they're jealous bitches, but Peter comes and he's regaling them with like, Oh yes, I'm Peter Pan. Da, 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 da. And then they're like, Who's this bitch? Oh my god. They immediately start to try to drown her. And oh. then Wendy takes a seashell and it's like, I'm gonna beat your bitches asses, like stop fucking pulling my dress. And then Peter's like, Whoa, 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 ladies, stop fighting over me. And There's then, enough of me to go around. Oh my god, it was so gross. And then one of the mermaids is just like, Oh, it's not a big deal. We were just trying to drown her. Best line like, in the movie. It's like, excuse me, ma'am. That's the other thing, too, because not too long after this, also, Captain Hook tries to use Tinkerbell to get at Peter Pan because he finds out that she's been banished. He literally says a line like, oh, a a jealous woman could be convinced to do anything. Stupid woman. Like, fuck you. Fuck you, Peter Pan. (laughs) This fucking movie just hates women and hates Native Americans. It's like weird. But yes, Peter does see Hook taking Tiger Lily to the Skull Cave. Ooh. And Peter starts fucking around to get Hook's attention. Peter starts fucking with Shmee because apparently... <laughs> Shmee. 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 Shmeagle. <laughs> why can't it be, uh, what's his name from Hook? Oh, Bob Hoskins. Yeah, why can't it be Bob Hoskins in this movie? Why can't everything be Bob Hoskins yeah. in every movie? I, true. If Bob Hoskins was in every movie, you got to tell me that every movie at least is a half star better with Bob Hoskins. Rest in peace, Bob Hoskins. I feel like this movie is more cartoony than a lot of the other ones, which is weird because they're all cartoons. But in a sense of like... It almost comes off like a Looney Tunes thing where like they're fighting and they got like boinks and they got like the cartoony sound effects. And like there are a couple times where Hook gets knocked on the head and he's got like things swirling around his head, like little spirals and stars and stuff. And I feel like that's meant to offset the amount of fighting and violence in this movie. Yeah, probably also kind of distract from how dickish Peter is. I guess. Yeah. 
Um, Literally at one point he says the line, huh, everyone thinks I'm wonderful. And I'm like, sir, I think you need to become a little more self-aware. Yeah. Perhaps. You're like a 500-year-old, 12-year-old. Like maybe you need to get it together a little bit. Yeah, but once Peter defeats Hook this time and Hook runs away from the alligator uh, that Peter tries to feed him to again... I, I do love the fact that he uh, he's laughing about this. And when he goes, uh, Peter, Tiger Lily? And he's like, oh, shit, that's right. Yeah, hello. <laughs> the drowning girl? Maybe you should, like, scoop her up in your arms now and fly away. But, yes, he saves Tiger Lily just in the nick of time, brings her back to her village, and then they party like it's 19-something. 19. 19. <laughs> <laughs> Wendy storms off because she's tired of being told to get the firewood. Right, and then... After we party with the Native Americans, we kind of all settle down back at the Peter Pan Lost Boys base and we get the boring mom song, which is trying so hard to be the mom song from Dumbo, which arguably is like the only good thing that comes out of Dumbo is Baby Mine (laughs) because it's like it's a really sad mom song. But this song sucks and it's boring. I think it's called um, Your Mother and Mine. It's boring. She's singing this song like Michael and John. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. This is how we know that these darling children are neglected because they immediately forget their own mother. Uh, they've been gone from their world. I, I understand time works differently in Neverland. I'm sure it, I'm sure it does, yeah. But uh, let's say at maximum they've been in Neverland for eight hours. Mm-hmm. You forgot what your mother looks like in eight hours? At least remember the dog. Oh, Nana. I remember Nana. We all remember Nana. But yeah, Peter comes in. He's all pissy because no one's paying attention to him. But So he goes into his room and we then cut to Tinkerbell, who has been captured by Smee, brought onto Hook's ship. And Hook goes, I want you to give me Peter Pan's location because I want to get this bitch Wendy out of here. I won't harm Peter Pan. I promise you. I will not lay a hand or a hook on Peter Pan. She then gives up Peter's location. Dumb bitch. And he locks her in a lamp. Dumb bitch. <laughs> which then leads to Hook and the pirates capturing the Lost Boys and Wendy and being like, okay, let's leave a little present for Peter. Hook decides in order to kill Peter, he's going to leave a time bomb at the cave of wonders wherever the hell he's hiding out right so this doesn't make sense for several reasons one Smee literally says well why don't we just go in there and like slit his fucking throat which like is dark but like yeah no why don't we do that and he's like well I said I wasn't gonna lay a hand on him well technically speaking if you're holding a knife and the knife slashes his throat you're not touching him or have one of your men do it you're there not, you go you're not laying a hand or a hook, hook on him hook wants the credit so what you could do is have fat ass me lay on him like a big rock and then hook can do it that way he doesn't even have to touch peter pan he could just step 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 but then also the time bomb doesn't make any sense except if you just want to be a dramatic bitch which clearly hook wants to be a dramatic bitch because he is a dramatic queen as clearly evidenced in this movie in every situation he's ever been in he when he is attacked by peter or by the crocodile or in any bad situation he just immediately emits foppish yells and or squeals of fear and terror or scream smee 
Exactly. Yeah. So he sets the time bomb that he uh, he puts in Peter's place. He sets it for 6 p.m., which I would assume is at least an hour or two after he drops it off. So it's like, why wouldn't you just set it for five minutes from now? I guess you want to get far enough away, but like even still. Well, I'll tell you the answer, Scott. The answer is because we want to give Tinkerbell enough time to escape her little prison cell so she can get out and take the bomb away from Peter and almost sacrifice her own life to save him because but he's been such a good friend to her. In the scene. You know, banishing her for a week. almost forever. Yes. Uh, but also, <laughs> in the same breath, Tink clearly grabs the bomb and pulls it away. Mm. Now, Tink is, let's say, six inches tall. Sure. The bomb blows up in her face. It sure does. How but this is a kid's movie, Scott. She should be dead. I know we just had a man be shot to shot death. to death and thrown into the drink. But, you know, we can't have just such egregious violence in our movie where a little tiny pixie who we love so much because sassy. Sure. We can't have her just blown to smithereens. That just doesn't make sense. Instead, we're going to have her hiding in the corner behind like a leaf or something and see her light flickering. And that will show that she's almost dying, maybe, but then she's fine later yep. and fights the pirates. So well, apparently bombs don't affect pixies, really. Apparently. Also, Hook tries to get the Lost Boys to join his crew. Why? I don't really know. But they immediately go with them also. The boys are like, yeah, we're going to be a pirate. And Wendy's like, are you guys fucking joking? <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. Like, did I have a pirate fantasy when I was a kid? Of course I did. But it, if you just watched a pirate, like, kill, kill your, your, your friend. friend, you wouldn't be like, yeah, let's go. I don't think you would. Then Wendy, who refuses to join the crew, is like, okay, so we're going to force you to walk the plank. So she goes to walk the plank, and she, Marty McFly from Back to the Future 2, hops off, lands in Peter's arms, and everyone on the ship goes, but Captain. There wasn't a splash. There was no splash. <laughs> it's a ghost ship. Ghost. <laughs> it is kind of funny. Because you would expect Wendy also, who's like not the brightest bulb in the fucking shed, to be like, Peter! <laughs> and like give it away. <laughs> but yeah, Peter Pan swoops her. And, you know, he's like, ah, uh, have at you, Hook. And then they start fighting. And then somehow, sp spatially, this doesn't work. No. It really happens in, like, the blink of an eye. So I, I feel like that was done purposely because, logically, it just doesn't make sense. But Be Peter ha manages to win this fight. <laughs> Peter manages to win this fight. They're on the mast. There's a flag flying behind Hook. It is behind Hook. And Peter is in front of Hook, who is agreed not to fly. And suddenly Peter magically gets the flag, wraps it around Hook, and knocks his weapon out of his hand. Okay, sure, that makes sense. Also, while the Lost Boys and Wendy take care of all the other pirates with a cannonball and a bear. Yeah, so the little boy, Michael, opens up his teddy bear... And puts a cannonball in the teddy bear, making it really difficult for him to carry. Because, you know, he's like four. But John, who's his older brother, they're climbing up the mast. And he grabs his little brother. And the little brother has the teddy bear. And all these pirates are chasing after them. And I kept saying, like, okay, drop the cannonball now. Drop it. They're right there. Just drop it. And it'll hit them and they'll fall. 
no no we're gonna wait till we get up to the tippy top and wait till the pirates almost get to you and then start hitting them with things okay yeah yeah no that that makes sense yep that totally makes sense yep okay got it mm-hmm. genius strategists <laughs> these children yeah well they're, they're all like eight or nine well, if they want to be fucking pirates, they better, you know, figure it out, man, okay? I would say Jack Sparrow doesn't figure it out until, like, the moment of either. Who um, would win in a fight, Jack Sparrow or Captain Hook? Oh, Jack Sparrow. Okay. <sighs> he, I mean, so that's true. On paper, that sounded like a fun question, but Captain Hook gets defeated by a 12-year-old, so. <laughs> and Jack Sparrow kind of just, like, falls his way into luck. That's true. Yeah, he does, doesn't he? he drunkenly would somehow disarm captain hook and you'd be like what the fuck just happened (laughs) but uh yeah he gets hooked to admit he's a codfish but while peter's back is turned hook tries for one last stab in the back peter Ah. dodges it hook falls into the water to be again chased by the crocodile and peter takes control of the ship and goes we set sail for London. Ah, yes, because these fucking annoying British children have to go home now. Because <laughs> They're cramping my style. God, I want to fuck Tiger Lily, the mermaids, Tinkerbell. Wendy's just fucking my style right now. Yeah, she's kind of in the way. She's really trying to mother me, and I can't have that, so... <laughs> Bye. And then, you know, we have the ending of our movie where Wendy wakes up in the bedroom along with the other kids and it's like, ah, was this all a dream? But they see a cloud shaped like the ship in the sky, so maybe it wasn't. Who knows? Maybe the parents are also drunk. It's very Wizard of Oz in that way. It's like, hmm, Mm. was it real or was it all fantasy? Who knows? But the adventure still remains. Ah, the magic. And it's like, okay. The end. <laughs> a reprise of You Can Fly and Then We're Out. <laughs> I just followed the Billy's Joel song. Just a fantasy. Oh, it's not the oh, real God. thing. Whoa. Sometimes a fantasy is all it <laughs> But uh, yeah, that was Peter Pan. So, Scott, what, what do you have this rated? Before rewatching it, I had it as a four. Oh, dear. I have it now probably closer to a three because there's a lot of problems here. Yeah, for sure. Especially when you look at it through today's lens. The fact that Disney has to like address it beforehand, like, hey guys, this was wrong then, it's wrong now. But it, we need, to, you know, we need to acknowledge our history to fix it for the future. It's not only just the racist shit; like the racist shit is bad. Yes, and it is good that Disney acknowledges that. However, I mean, they're still making money off of it, so I, you know, I don't know what the right thing to do is. It's like the same thing with Song of the South. Like, you know, people argue that it should be released. I don't really know. I mean, I, I've seen clips of it. It's just kind of boring. It's not. Re- I mean, it's racist for sure, but it's just. It's mostly boring. Well, the only th- <laughs> again, the only thing that Song of the South really gave us is the most catchy fucking song in the fucking world. Yeah, Zippity Doo Dah. It also gave us Splash Mountain, which both of those things, Zippity Doo Dah and Splash Mountain, on their face weren't racist, but they came from like a racist property. So it's it's a pro like it's essentially the same thing with Peter Pan in that 
there's this aspect of the movie with the Native American representation that's really bad. But of course, you know, no one really talks about that when they talk about Peter Pan. They talk about the good songs that came out of it. Mostly You Can Fly. And they talk about, you know, oh, the wonder and Tinkerbell and la-di-da-di-da. And like, that's good and all. But even outside of the Native American representation, it's not really a kind-hearted movie. Peter Pan is not a kind-hearted character. If you went to, like, Disney World or Disneyland, you would think that it is. Because Peter Pan in the parks, the face character that you can meet there, he's just, like, kind of a playful kid-like guy. Yeah. And that's fine. I mean, I'm not saying that you should make Peter Pan like the Peter Pan in this movie in the parks. That's not what I'm saying. But, yeah, in the movie, he's just kind of, like, a little dick. (laughs) Yeah, he's a dick. Tinkerbell's a dick. The Lost Boys are kind of dicks. There's really no one in the movie that you particularly root for or love. Like, you know, you like Hook as a villain because he's kind of funny and silly. And you kind of like Wendy because she's like, seems like a nice enough person, but she's kind of annoying too. And then Peter Pan, you kind of like him because he's like the main character and he's kind of fun and he flies around. And he sword fights and, you know, but like, there's no one that you really care enough about to like root for or like hold on to. Except maybe if you ask the Tinkerbell stands out there. Or Smee. You know what? Smee deserves some love. Smee does deserve some love. He's a good sidekick. He's a good sidekick. If he wasn't working for Captain Hook, I feel like Smee would be a good guy. Sure. But he works for... I think he's a good guy now. He's just uh, badly influenced by his boyfriend. I mean, his <laughs> boss. If you've ever seen the show Our Flag Means Death, it's on HBO Max, and it's really good. It's a pirate show, but uh, Taika Waititi's in it. It's actually really good. But Hook and Smee give off a very Blackbeard and Steed kind of vibe, if you know what I mean. But... All that said, um, I would agree with Scott that I kind of give this movie a three. For me, it's between a 2.5 and a three, kind of similarly to Snow White. But I gave it a three because I do like the animation. It's very pretty. I do like some of the music. I like some of the performances and stuff. Like, I, I like Hook. I enjoyed Hook. I vehemently don't like, obviously, the Native American representation nor the treatment of women in this movie. But I also have to, like a lot of movies from this particular time period, have to remember... It was the 50s. Right. I mean, you know, a lot. I, I've watched a lot of classic movies in the 50s and even earlier that don't necessarily look upon women in the greatest light. But however, it, it, you know, you or, have to take into account the time period. Or, you know, treat race well. Right. Exactly. But it- I am glad we rewatched it just because... I feel like it is beneficial to watch movies such as this with this kind of representation of different cultures because like the message that Disney told us in the beginning, it is important to see that and know where we came from and where we are now and how much work there still is that can be done as far as respecting different cultures and acknowledging our differences and respecting them. And I think that that's important. And I also think it's important to recognize that boys drool and girls rule so you're not wrong fuck this movie and its treatment of women as well as native americans but i liked some of the songs and i liked captain hook and i like the gif of the crocodile (laughs) that is true (laughs) 
So there's good and bad, I Honestly, guess. Honestly, the best thing that comes out of this movie is Captain Hook, the crocodile, and Smee. Yeah, true. I'll, I'll concur with that. And the fact that they actually, I didn't mention this before, but surprisingly, they actually acknowledge their voice cast in this movie, ah! which is different from the earlier Disney movies. So, hey, it deserves a point maybe for that, right? Right? But anyway, yeah, that was Peter Pan. And uh, next week, I-, I didn't mention this before, but part of the reason why we picked Peter Pan for this week was because it is the third movie in Disney's Silver Era ah. of animation. And that is a great way to introduce our plan for this month, which is threequel month. Ah. That's right. We are going to watch a bunch of three movies indeed and um i i'm excited <laughs> we have quite the plan for the rest of this month of march this which is, is just also happens to be the third month of the year i don't know if you knew that so. oh i didn't know i it's, wasn't aware it, can't you just acknowledge that i'm great at planning you're great at planning i'm just i mean am i not the shit okay sorry anyway this is gonna be a weird month guys this is gonna be a weird month but it's gonna be exciting so next week scott's gonna show me a movie that uh, we've already seen one and two of, and we've talked about on the show, and this is just going to be a continuation of that. And I'm actually really excited to talk about it because it's been a while since we've seen one and two of this movie. Yes. So I'm excited to see the third one. But it's um, going to be interesting because this is this is the one where the series starts to get a little wonky. Hmm, interesting. I wonder what it could be. Well, until next week, this has been Shoot the Flick. I'm Frankie Sparks. And I'm Scott Eisenberg, brother. Oh, God. Make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Shoot the Flick. And check out all of our episodes on Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcast, and iHeartRadio, and pretty much anywhere else you can find a podcast. And make sure you come back next week for our heavy-hitting badassery-filled movie adventure. I pity the fool. Oh, wow. You're making it really obvious, huh? (laughs) 